Well, I bring you greetings this morning from Shenandoah. It's a blessing to worship with you this morning. Just uh, thought I'd share just briefly about Shenandoah and some of the things that are happening there before I go into the message. So we just started another school year. Things are going well with school. We have two teachers, Dawson is teaching his third year. We are very grateful for him. He's plugging away and doing an excellent job with teaching. Also, a new teacher was Andrea Andrea Morley. This is her first year of teaching at Shenandoah. It's going well. She's doing a great job. And as many times when I come here, I share a need as well. <laughs> I'm going to do that again this morning. We do have a need for a kindergartner teacher starting in January. I realize many of the youth are gone this morning, but if there's no one here that's interested in teaching, please get the word out there for us as that need is getting pretty close for a kindergartner teacher. Lord willing, we'll have our biggest class, and that'll be in kindergarten. We have, I believe, five as of now that are planning to be in that class. So the school is growing, and a teacher need is still there, but thankful for the teachers that we do have as well. I have a question to start the message this morning, and the question is, are you a slave or are you free? You might be wondering exactly what I mean by that. This morning's Sunday school lesson, we talked about, or in the Glenn did an excellent job with teaching the lesson about Achan and in his sin, and, and really, he was a man that, he was not free. He was, a, he was living in sin, but I want to talk a little bit about, often we think, or I think of, you know, as being a slave or slave to sin, but I want to think about that or talk about that in a different light this morning. You can turn me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 21. I have often, or most of my messages I've preached, i preached from the New Testament, and recently I was preaching more from the Old Testament, and it has been a really, I've benefited greatly from studying more of the Old Testament, and there's a lot of scripture that we have in the Old Testament that we can learn from and apply to our lives today. So Exodus chapter 20, the chapter prior to where I want to read from, are the Ten Commandments. And Ray talked about the commandments that we were given. And really, these commands were given for man's good. Sometimes we can look at laws and commands as, you know, bondage or do I really have to? But they were given for man's good. And Exodus 21, God continued to give commands. And in the beginning of 21... God gave commands regarding master and slave relationships. When you think of a master and when you think of slaves, you might think of something very negative. Maybe that was done in America many years ago where slaves were treated very, uh, very brutally. They were beaten. I've seen a picture of a man's back of a slave during those times where his back was just really scarred from the whips that he, or from the beatings that he received. Well, in Exodus 21, where I want to read, I think it's more of a 
more of an employer slash employee relationship where God gave commands how masters should treat their slaves or their servants. God cared about their relationships and how they treated each other. Under the law, so even among the Israelites or among the Hebrews, there was slaves and there were masters. And I didn't do a real in-depth study regarding the laws in this, but from my understanding, among the Hebrews, again, there were masters and there were servants. You could become a servant when someone owed you, or if you owed a debt to someone you could not pay back, one way, in a sense, to pay that back, you would become their servant and serve them for six years. And then the seventh year, you had the option to go out free. And my understanding, no matter what debt you owed yet, you were free after the six years of serving. That seventh year, you could go free. Another reason I believe they could, or they were servants, was if they did something wrong, maybe they stole something. Well, then they were, they were going to serve their master for six years. Or another way is if they were simply born into slavery. If, they were, if their parents were slaves at the time of their birth, they were just born into being a slave. But again, the seventh year, they had that option to go free. And I'll read the first six verses in Exodus 21. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Verse 5, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So in these six years of serving, the way I understand it, if the master gave his servant a wife, and she's, they've had children during the times of the, these six years, when the seventh year was up, that servant was able to go free. He could leave his wife, his children behind and go out free. Or he could say, you know, I have it pretty good here. My master cares for me. He provides for the things, gives me clothing, gives me food. You know, before I was a slave, you know, I, was, I couldn't pay my debt. But now I'm really, I'm, I'm free here serving my master. I've, I've got a good life. And it really gave the masters, a, I believe, a good incentive to treat their slaves or their employees well. You know, they might serve them for life if they are treated well. So maybe some of these servants had a, or slaves had a really big decision to make after these six years were up. Were they going to go out free or would they say, you know what? I love my master. I love my wife and my children. I am going to serve them or I'll, I'll choose to stay here. And if they chose to stay, it wasn't for another six years. It wasn't for 12 years. It was for life. And this morning, I brought with me an awl. I don't know how many of you have a, or how many of you men have a tool like this. I didn't until yesterday. This is brand new. 
But I had preached this message in, in Shenandoah a couple weeks ago, and I, I borrowed Dawson's awe. And I would like for us to get the picture of that servant taking his ear to the doorpost and allowing his master to bore his ear through. And the title of the message this morning is, Is Your Ear Pierced? And I'm not talking about a literal piercing. That's a whole other subject. I'm talking about a spiritual piercing. Have you, has there been a time in your life where you said, you know what, I will serve my master forever. And this, this passage right here gives us a beautiful picture or it's a, a beautiful analogy of Christ. He was the master or the perfect master. He was pierced so that we could become slaves or that we could become his servants. And I'll come back to that question again at the end. Are you free this morning or are you a slave of your heavenly master? So the title again is, Is Your Ear Pierced? Now, do I have any volunteers to come up here and try this for the first time? No one brave enough? I'm, I, I wouldn't do it, but just to give that in mind, going to the doorpost, taking his ear to that door, and that all piercing his ear. Again, thinking about being a servant for life. That is what some of those servants chose to do. They chose to go to the door, allow their, their master to pierce their ear, and they, were, they would never go out free. So I want us to love our master so that we joyfully serve him. And that is what I really want to drive home this morning. Do you love your master? As that, as that servant did, as that servant could say back then under the the law, the Mosaic law, if he loved his master, he would serve him for life. And I believe many times he would joyfully serve him for life because he loved it where he was. He loved his master. The Bible talks a lot about being servants, and I want to look at that some this morning. There were five men, I believe, in the New Testament that all that or that wrote books and they introduced themselves as being servants of Jesus Christ. Paul is one of them. He said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Another place in Philippians, Paul said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. James said, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. These men all seen themselves as slaves or servants of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Is your ear pierced spiritually? Do you have a pierced ear? Philippians 6 talks about not only, you know, leaders as being servants, but as children of God, we are all called to be Christ's servants, to follow him. Ephesians 6, 6 says, not with eye service as men, men pleasers. We're not serving God just for the praise of man or to be viewed by others or to be praised by others, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. I want to look at three points for the message this morning. The first point is the price. The second point is the piercing. And the third point is the privilege. So they all start with P, hopefully you can remember them a little bit easier. Again, the price, the piercing, and the privilege. 
And moving into the first point, the price, I want to first look at the price that our master paid so that we could become his servants, so that we could be free from our sin and free to serve him or become servants of Jesus Christ. You can turn now to Ephesians chapter 2. I would like to read just a few verses there. Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like to look at some very familiar verses there. And I'll start reading at verse 12. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. So Paul, and prior to these verses here, he is talking about You were once living in darkness, but God has called you out of darkness. He's called you into the light. Walk as children of light. Redeem the time. Use use the time wisely that God has given you. Verse 12 says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, Ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh or were brought near by the blood of Christ. A couple things I want to pull out of there. So you were once what? You were once without Christ. You were once with no hope. You had no hope. You were without God. That's a hopeless picture, right? Being without Christ, being without hope. But now Christ Jesus has brought you and he's brought you near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to read a story. It says, the story is from years, years ago when slavery was legal in the United States. A gentleman happened upon a slave auction in a crowded street. The man passed to observe the activities. As he watched from the edge of the crowd, he saw one slave after another led to a platform, their arms and legs shackled with ropes as if they were animals. Displayed before the jeering crowd, they were auctioned off one by one. The gentleman studied the group of slaves waiting nearby. He paused when he saw a young girl standing at the back. Her eyes were filled with fear. She looked so frightened. He hesitated for a moment and then disappeared briefly. When he returned, the auctioneer was about to start the bidding for the young girl that he had noticed beforehand. As the auctioneer opened the bidding, the gentleman shouted out a bid that was twice the amount of any other selling price offered that day. There was silence for a moment, and then the gavel fell as she was sold to a new owner. The gentleman stepped forward and waited at the bottom of the steps as the young girl was led down to her new owner. The rope bound her as as he was as the rope which bounded her was handed to the man, who accepted it without saying anything. The young girl stared at the ground. Suddenly she looked up and spat in his face. He smiled gently at the young girl and said, Follow me. She followed him reluctantly. As they reached the edge of the crowd, he continued to a nearby area where each deal was closed legally. When a slave was set free, legal documents called manumission papers were necessary. The gentleman paid the purchase price and signed the necessary documents. When the transaction was complete, he turned to the young girl and presented the documents to her. Startled, she looked at him with uncertainty. Her narrowed eyes asked, What are you doing? 
The gentleman responded to her questioning look. He said, here, take these papers. I bought you to make you free. As long as you have these papers in your possession, no man can ever make you a slave again. The girl looked into his face. What was happening? There was silence. Slowly she said, you bought me to make me free? You bought me to make me free? As she repeated this phrase over and over, the significance of what had just happened became more and more real to her. You bought me to make me free. Was it possible that a stranger had just granted her freedom and never again could she be held in bondage to any man? As she began to grasp the significance of the documents which she now held in her hands, she fell to her knees and wept at the gentleman's feet. Through her tears of joy and gratitude, she said, You bought me to make me free. I'll serve you forever. That is a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. Christ bought us. He paid the price for us. He paid a price that we could never pay. And he said, I bought you to set you free. That should do something to us. That does something to me when I think about what Christ has done. Brothers and sisters, we have a good master. We have a master that in his love, he was pierced so that we could be set free. He was pierced so that we might have hope. He was pierced so that we could be brought into a relationship with him. We were once just like that slave girl without hope. But Christ has bought us to set us free and to bring us into a relationship with him, to serve him. So do we recognize that we have a good master? And in return, there is a price that we will pay if we want to deny self and to follow him. And I want to look at the piercing and talk a little bit about that, thinking about the cost that we pay in return to follow Jesus Christ. There's a big decision that we need to make, and that brings us into the second point, the piercing. Again, thinking about the awe and that hammer piercing the ear, marking that ear for life. That hole was going to be there forever. I don't know what size that hole was. There's a lot of people today with, you know, big holes in their ears, like gauged ears. I've never asked any of them if it marks them as a servant of Jesus Christ, but <laughs> maybe that'd be uh, bring up a, a good topic to discuss with somebody. But that servant back then had a, a mark on him that was a sign of him being a slave for life. Is there a mark in your life, a spiritual mark in your ear, marking you as a servant for life? There is a song that my, when my wife and I were, or before we were married, we sang in chorus, New Creations Chorus, and we sang the song, Pierce My Ear. That's a song that's probably familiar to most of you. And I messaged Zach this morning to see how familiar you are with this song. And I didn't talk to Nate about this, but I believe Zach did. And I would like to, for us to sing this song. If you don't 
know the song, maybe you can just close your eyes and meditate on the words of this song. There's, there's powerful words in this song. There's a powerful commitment in this song. And Zach was kind enough to put this up here on the projector, and I'll see if this works. But, Nate, if you could lead this song, and again, if you don't know it, feel free to just close your eyes and listen to the words. And maybe if you know it by heart, you can also close your eyes and just think about the words that you are singing, thinking about, again, piercing my ear. I hope those words, singing those words, listening to those words does something to your heart as you think about that commitment, again, of that all piercing your ear. And there's a few lines in that song that really stands out to me. One of them is, Lord, I'm here to stay. This is not a commitment for 2022. This is not a commitment for three years or five years. This is, Lord, I'm here to stay. And then a free man, I'll never be. Again, thinking about the question, are you a slave or are you free? Are you a slave to Jesus Christ? Are you willing to serve him? You can turn now to Luke chapter 14. I would like to look at the cost of discipleship or the cost of the ear being pierced. I believe there's, it's very important that we wrestle through some things in our life before we just decide, oh, oh yes, I'm going to follow Christ, but do we think about what this may look like? 
Luke chapter 14. I would like to start reading at verse 25, and I'll read through verse 33. Verse 25, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, this is, these are Jesus' words now in verse 26 and throughout the remaining of what I want to read. If any man will come to me and hate not, or in other words, love less his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple." For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish? Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else... While there other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So there is so Christ paid a high price so that we can be brought into relationship with him, but there is a price also that we must be willing to pay if we're going to allow our master to pierce our ear. We're going to have to count the costs of what being a disciple may look like. Now, there's a lot of people that may preach a health and wealth gospel that say, well, you just give, say the sinner's prayer, give your life to Jesus Christ, and things are just going to go smoothly for you. Life will be e easy. There, there is an element to that. A, a relationship with Christ does bring peace. It brings joy. But nowhere in the Bible can you promise that it's going to be just a bed of roses, that nothing hard will come out of it. Jesus' disciples, many of them lived a very difficult life, and most of them end up giving their life for the sake of the gospel. So Christ does not promise that following him will be all easy. And then Jesus gave two examples of one man building a tower. For those of you who have built things or have had someone come out to build something for you, it's wise to start looking at things and like, well, do I have the finances to not only lay the foundation, but to finish the project? You know, if you start a foundation and have to leave the building half finished, it looks a little silly, right? We have a house not far from us that for the six years that we've lived there, the house is almost finished, but there's some things that were just not completed on the house. I've often had to wonder, you know, what happened there? Did they run out of the funds to complete it? And then Jesus also gave the example of a man going out to make war. First, it's wise to look at, do I have the amount of soldiers to go out and actually fight this battle? And I realize in the Sunday school lesson today, it looked like they easily did and they still lost. But it, we do wise to, or we are wise if we count the cost. And talking and, and sharing the gospel with others, something I've changed in my approach and the way I do it, a number of years ago, I would have been quicker to just lead someone through the sinner's prayer and lead them through the prayer and, you know, have them make a commitment to Christ and hope that they remain faithful. 
and I'm not sure there's, there's balance to all this, but now I usually approach much more of talking to them about what being a disciple looks like rather than just having them say the sinner's prayer. Now, the sinner's prayer is, is, is enough to save us, but I think we do. it's important that we realize that there's a cost that comes with it. This could be hard, and Jesus also gave the parable of the, the soils, the four different soils, how some, you know, they heard the gospel and they responded with, with joy, but then it soon left them from the hardships of life. I think it's wise to tell, someone, to tell someone when we're sharing the gospel with them that, you know, this is not always going to be easy. There is a price that we must be willing to pay. And also along with this, thinking about our ear being pierced. Sometimes God calls us to things that take us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God calls us to give up some things that we want to hold on to pretty dearly. And in my life, there's been times where, you know, I wanted to just surrender my life to God. And yet I kind of wanted a, a closed hand, if you will, a little bit on some things like, God, I'm, I'm yours as long as I can do this. Or I'm yours as long as I can, you know, live here, as long as you don't call me to this country, but if we are going to be a true servant of Christ, we need to release everything to Christ. We need to open our hand and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Take my ear and pierce my ear. And Lord, I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And just living a life of surrender to Jesus Christ. And that song talking about the, a free man I'll never be. Again, thinking about the lifelong commitment. That's why I think it's important to count the cost here as well. It's not just saying the sinner's prayer and moving on with life, going back into the exact same lifestyle that you were living beforehand. No, it's, it's a new way of life. Christ cleanses us and he calls us to live a life of obedience, as we heard in the devotional. He calls us to, to holiness. And again, not thinking about this as, you know, just a year or two. This is a lifelong commitment, as it was that when that servant went to the door to get his ear pierced. And the third point I want to look at is the privilege. Is it a burden or is it a privilege to serve Jesus Christ? Sometimes it might feel like a burden. At least sometimes for me, it's, it's not always easy. Sometimes it does feel like more of a burden than a privilege. But I believe in my own life, sometimes I fail to remember what Christ has done for me. Sometimes I don't see myself as that little slave girl without hope. There's, there's no future in life. She was sold again as a slave girl. But she found out her new master bought her to set her free. Her new master gave her hope. Her new master gave her purpose. And without Christ, we are without hope. Christ has given us hope. He's bought us to set us free. And out of love for our master, it should be a privilege to serve Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it doesn't come without difficulty, but it should be a privilege to serve Jesus Christ. Thinking about a privilege, just this weekend... Actually, Friday, we had some, some wood to split that was, we had a, a stack of firewood at our house for a number of years that 
never made it a priority to get it split. And Friday, Tristan or Tristan has a wood splitter, and he brought it over to our house. They were there with the youth this weekend. He said, hey, they won't need the, the splitter for the weekend. We're welcome to use it. So we got that hooked up Friday. We started splitting some firewood Friday evening. And my boys, my two oldest boys, Kyler and Carson, were just looking so forward to Saturday to go out and split firewood. Well, yesterday morning I was doing some studying, and I heard one of my boys wake up, and he woke up his younger brother, or Kyler woke up his younger brother, reminding him, like, we can go split firewood. Splitting firewood was the first thing on their mind. They were out that door before they had any food. They went out there to, to split firewood. They did it because they were just so delighted to, to do this. It was a privilege to them. It wasn't a, it wasn't a chore. It was a privilege. And sometimes God's work, I believe we are myself, I don't see it as a privilege like I should. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There was a lot of beautiful singing this morning. Are you coming before the Lord, serving him from a joyful heart? Are you serving him with a glad heart this morning because of what Christ has done? Can you say, as the servant did in Exodus, I love my master? If you are a child of God, your testimony should be, I will serve my master because, let's say it together, I love my master. Say it again. I love my master. Therefore, I will joyfully serve him. As I was studying for this message, I thought of Peter. There was a time in his life where he, where it was difficult for him. And, and one time Jesus comes to him and, and, he, and Jesus asks Peter a very personal question. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. And Jesus again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. After the third time, the Bible says it grieved Peter. And I would like to think for each one of us, if Jesus was here and he asked us specifically, Leon, do you love me? Brian, do you love me? Do we love our master? It was a challenge for me. And maybe a way to reveal whether or our love, the, the extent of our love for our master is how we respond to his commandments. And again, beautiful devotional ray ties right in here. John 14 says, or 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we love our master, his commands aren't going to be grievous to us. If we love our master, we're going to delight to do his commands. We're going to delight to serve him. And another verse in Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We are to love our master above everything else. Is that your testimony this morning? And it's, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else this morning. Life is busy. Life has distractions. And sometimes I don't have the love like I should for my heavenly master. Do you love your master? 
So is serving your master, is it a privilege or is it a burden? I want to look at some practical application here. I have three things that are noted under practical application. And the first I want to talk about is personal holiness. So if if we're going to be servants of our good master, of our heavenly master, I believe it starts with our internal or our our own life, our personal holiness. So scriptures are very clear that we were, were be, when we repent of our sins, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Christ cleanses us. He gives us a new heart. Christ's desire is that we walk in a new way, that we become, or he makes us holy, but we're also to grow in holiness. He wants to continue to work in our lives. Romans 6 verse 22 says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So we are called to pursue a life of holiness, not to go back into the the former way of life, but we are to put on new things. We are to live a life of integrity. We are bearing our master's name. We are carrying his name. That is who we are representing. Thinking about employee and employer relationship. So if an employee goes out to a job site and doesn't do a good job, let's say it's a construction and they're building a house and they do a really shoddy job at building a house, where they're reflecting their master, they're reflecting their employer, they're going to give their employer a bad name. And if as servants of God, we are not living a life of holiness, we are marring God's name. This should concern us. We should be concerned about our master's name. So personal holiness is something that we should continue to grow in, continue to pursue. And then secondly, obedience. And I'm not going to expound much on this. We already heard it in the devotional. We are called to, if we love our master, his commandments won't be grievous, but they're going to be a joy. We will delight to live or to follow God's commands. And then thirdly, a servant of God serves. It's simple, right? A servant is one who serves. And one way we serve God is by serving others. And now we could talk a long time about practical application on this, but I believe there's some very gifted servants here. Some some of you serve ways others cannot. God gives us differing gifts in, in areas of being a servant to others. But I believe we all have something to offer in the kingdom of God. We all can do something, serve in one way or another in, the, in God's kingdom. And there's a verse in Isaiah 6, verse 8. It says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said, I, then said I, this is Isaiah, Here am I, send me. So God has a job description for each one of us. As child, children of God, God brings us into his kingdom, not just so that we can experience heaven someday, but God give, wants us to live out his calling in our lives here on earth. He wants us to bring a bit of heaven to earth, and God gives each one of us different gifts in areas of serving each other. D.L. Moody said about this verse in Isaiah, he said, I am only one, but I am one. 
I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do, and what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. And again, thinking about the different gifts, different giftings that each one of us have, where do you shine? What can you do for God's kingdom? Are you using your gifts for God's kingdom? Are you serving because you love your master? Are you is serving, does that, is, do you view that as a privilege? What about when someone asks you to teach Sunday school or to lead singing? Do you say, yes, I would love to? And I again realize some of us are, some of you are gifted differently than, than others. But do we delight to serve in the areas that God has gifted us in? I will admit, sharing a message or studying for a message does not come easy for me. So often it's easy for me to do something hands-on and then sit in the study. And sometimes studying seems more like a burden than a privilege. But I do, I, I appreciate what it does in my own life by studying for a message. And I don't, if, if you ask me if I'm, well, I'm preaching at Shenandoah next Sunday, or I, I'm on to preach. I usually don't say I get to preach because I don't really feel that way about it. But I usually, I don't say I have to preach because that doesn't sound very good. But I often use the term, well, I'm on to preach. <laughs> kind of the safe way of going about it. But if you can say you get to, well, good for you. And may we view serving God as a privilege, a delight to be involved in his kingdom. That servant girl, going back to her, her answer, she said, or she told her master, you bought me to set me free, I will serve you forever. I believe she delighted to serve him forever because that was much better than the life that she was expecting and God has bought us. He's redeemed us from a life that was without God, without hope. And he bought us to set us free or to serve him. Do we view serving him as a privilege? So in conclusion, are you a slave or are you free? And I pray if your testimony is not that you are a servant of God, that you would say, Yes, when God speaks to you, when God calls you, when he's drawing him to yourself, don't, don't resist him because the best life that you'll experience, not the easiest life, but the life of peace and the life of purpose will be when you say, yes, Lord, and you allow your heavenly father, your master to take that all and bore through your ear, marking you as a servant for life. Is your testimony that you love your master. Maybe again, let's say those words together. I love my master. I love my master. If you love your master, then you have a pierced ear, right? And this, this should, I should have said maybe, this is not so much of, at least the way I look at it, not so much a one-time experience, but about daily. The Bible talks about taking up our cross daily. And maybe we should look at more going to that doorpost daily. When we wake up in the morning, just saying, God, you've given me a new day. I'm your servant. Use me. Mark me as your servant. Take that all and pierce my ear. And then, 
Another question is, again, is it a privilege to serve your master? And again, thinking about loving our master so that we joyfully serve him. Is that your testimony this morning? It's been a challenge to me, and it continues to be a challenge to me, but I want to see serving Jesus as a privilege and not a burden. Another parable in the Bible is the the parable of the talents. So we, we were all given talents, and for those of you who grew up being taught the truth, I believe we were all, those of you who were raised in a Christian home were maybe given five talents. God expects you to do something with the talents that you were given. He wants you to multiply. He wants you to lay up treasures in heaven. He wants you to, I didn't talk about this, but serving, we, we are being a servant to someone, either God or Satan. And I trust that we are serving God and laying up heavenly treasures. And how beautiful, the most beautiful words I believe that we will ever be able to hear from our master telling us, he, saying, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. May we be faithful servants today. May we be faithful servants tomorrow, throughout this week. May you be reminded to go to that doorpost and allow your master to bore your ear, marking you as a servant for him. Thank you for your attention. I'll have a prayer, and then Nate, after the prayer, if you can just have a song of dismissal, and you can be dismissed after the song. Why don't we all stand for this closing prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you with grateful hearts for being a good master. We thank you that you are willing to send your son to this world and how he was pierced so that we could be brought into relationship with you. Thank you for buying us back, for redeeming us, and for giving us hope in life, for giving us purpose in life. And I pray that each one of us here would be willing to be your servants. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not ever made that decision to go to the door and allow you to pierce their ear, marking you as a servant for life, I pray that you would continue to draw them, continue to speak to them. I pray that they would be willing to make that choice, to count the cost of being a disciple. And may each one of us see serving you as a privilege because of, your, because of what you have done, because you are a good master. May we delight to in return serve you. Pray that you will be with us as we go from here. Give us the strength to live faithfully for you. And I pray that we could leave here encouraged to be your servants wherever you call us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.